welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your host, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. My guest today is Arnold Agus. He is the author of Cuba-U.S. Relations, published in 2018. He's also a journalist and a contributing editor to Canada Files, an international manifesto group member. Thank you for joining us today, Arnold. It's always, always a pleasure to be with you. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Now, That's great. the world is on edge, uh, anticipating yeah. this latest um, clash between U.S. and Russia. But for us, for our, for our purpose, uh, I'd like to focus our interview on what this means for countries in Latin America that have been under the foot of U.S. imperialism and that have been in some way um, sheltered by the presence of Russia supporting them yes. in some way. So in yes. specifically, you know, we're talking about Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua. So h how do you see this conflict? How do you see it unfolding? Yeah, from like the Latin American perspective, I guess. I'm glad that you asked that question because I believe it's, we, it is not dealt with enough. Just to give you some context, if I may, some people say, well, Biden is not keeping his promise, electoral promise and all that. That's not true. With regards to Latin America, his main promise was the following. Unlike Trump, I'm going to, going to stand up to dictators like Maduro and uh, Miguel Diaz-Canal and Cuba or Castro. Of course, he doesn't know that Castro passed away. So where we are at now with regards to Latin America is that he has been uh, fulfilling this promise, you know, to the right of Trump going after Venezuela and Cuba. Let's go back one step with regards to Russia. People are talking about the war you know, in Ukraine or Russian war or whatever. The, the war, yes, there is a war, but it was started in 2014 by the United States and its allies with the coup d'etat, Maidan coup d'etat in that year, uh, which overthrew the democratically elected president and in its place, installed the puppet government. So you know, that's where it all started, as you pointed out. Now, going back to Latin America once again, I don't know if you noticed that, but a short while ago, uh, I think two, three days ago, uh, Biden's advisor uh, for uh, international affairs regarding the hemisphere, that is Latin America, he made this astonishing statement. He said, in an interview, I'm paraphrasing it, of course, he said, well, the sanctions against Russia are not only against Russia, they are also to weaken Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. So there you go. I mean, it's another important point for people to take into account if they too easily accept the issue of Russian aggression or, or Russian imperialism. I mean, you know, we know that Uh, that Russia is not communist. We know that it's capitalist and all that. So there's no point getting going into that. But the fact is, Sylvia, in my view, Russia plays a positive role in the international sphere by allying itself with Iran, with China, in order to oppose the hegemonic unipolar world with the United States continues to aim to apply to the world. And so, you know, in this 
pushback against the unipolar world, Russia, China, and Iran, for example, also ally themselves, assist especially countries such as Venezuela and Cuba. I, I think back often when people who are you know, so-called progressive, they say, oh, no, Russia is bad, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a carry out aggression against the Ukraine. But it's the same Russia who, when Cuba really needed help a few months ago as a result of the uh, very uh, stringent uh, sanctions against Cuba in the course of the pandemic, who sh- sent uh, assistance to Cuba? It was Russia. I remember speaking to a friend of mine in Havana. I, I always speak with him to sort of keep track of the situation. And he, he said that we really like the way that when Biden threatened Russia, what did Putin do? said, the hell with you. I'm sending a, a, a plane load of uh, material goods and medications to Cuba. And he's done that several times. And, you know, uh, Iran, for example, has uh, helped Venezuela a lot to kickstart the uh, oil industry in Venezuela by supplying Venezuela with the type of oil that Venezuela needs in order to refine their own oil, which is not good enough for exporting. So with this help, not only did this uh, high-grade oil uh, being shipped to Iran, I just read recently, two or three days ago, it has also uh, rekindled the uh, exportation of Venezuelan oil to Cuba. Uh, I'm glad that you raised the issue of Latin America. One, you know, in evaluating Russia and all that with Ukraine, one has to take into account the overall situation, the role of Russia uh, in alliance with other countries. Mm. One of the things that I, I find um, most uh, alarming, you know, is as you point yes. out, this didn't start now. It started back in 2014 with the coup in Ukraine right. and Janakovich being you know, taken out of power, right? Uh, right. But but now we we know also know that the U.S. has been the empire since 1989. Yeah. You know, the integration of uh, Eastern Europe. There was yeah. agreement signed that they would not expand NATO, which is the military arm of empire, right, <laughs> of the U.S. empire. Right. And so when we think about this idea of oh, they just want to integrate Ukraine to NATO, they're just promoting democracy. You know, this this language confuses people because they think, of course, we should be in support of democracy. Of course, we should be in support of that. But what yeah. they don't see is how this really uh, translates, right? For us in Latin America, the so-called promotion of democracy has been the expansion of neoliberalism, has been the expansion of um, this constant cutting of social services and safety networks and creating life completely unbearable for the average person. And this is why the the Venezuelans had a beautiful revolution that they call, you know, a revolution to move away from capitalism to one that is more socialistic-oriented, where people have access to their resources, not just, you know, serve as a, a plundering land for empire. So enter into the, the equation, right, the need um, of empire to constantly have this control not just of the lands, the people, but also their economic systems. Uh, the the Russia conflict is also about EU expansion, which is about exactly. westernizing, uh, westernized ways of commerce and you know capitalism. So, can you talk a little bit about the way that this not only 
challenges um, the vision that perhaps Venezuelans or Cubans have about moving their societies from bridal capitalism into a more socially oriented uh, way of organizing economics. Uh, on the issue of, um, of Russia, if we could have taken a snapshot of the world a couple of months ago before the conflict broke out, objectively, Russia would like to have deep, in fact, or have signed agreements in order to have deeper relations with, for example, China. They've had military uh, agreements, economic and commercial agreements. So the United States, as you said, they cannot afford to have a strong Russia in the eastern part of Asia that is able to foster good economic and political commercial links with countries such as uh, China, as well as, for example, with, with Iran. Their main issue, they want to weaken Russia. So Russia is hindered in its uh, ongoing attempt to forge economic and political links with, with China and Iran. And I, I, I don't know if it's going to work, but in any case, it's definitely going to backfire because while they wanted Russia to uh, not form these alliances uh, without, you know, without taking account of the United States, in fact, these alliances are going to be stronger and, uh, and to develop even further. Now, with regards to socialism, of course, Russia is not socialist. But, you know, so what? You know, the main thing is, does it play a positive role in the international sphere or not? Yes, I believe so. The facts show that they are, are pushing back against uh, uh, U.S. hegemony. Now, what about China? China, in my view, it is a socialist country. It has its own features of socialism based on its own history and its own uh, characteristics. And I think anyone watching the news, even the, the capitalist news, it's hard to uh, avoid the fact that China, since the pandemic, has emerged as an economic, important economic force and also a, a, a social force because the way they took care of the issue of COVID-19 is far superior than the capitalist system. For example, in the United States and Canada and other countries, and so and therefore, like it or not. You know, people are looking to China as a possible art alternative, as you mentioned, in terms of organizing a social system. I mean, the, the, it was very interesting. The, the um, Olympics, I don't know if you watched the, uh, some of the Olympics, the opening and closing ceremony and all that, but it was really impressive. I mean, United States, oh, we're going to you know, boycott it. We're not going to send our diplomats, uh, you know, uh, uh, and this type of thing. Who the hell cares? It was a success. One cannot deny that it was a success. It was a beautiful thing to see. And is another indication of what a country, based on its own version of socialism, can do. And other countries, such as Venezuela and Cuba, despite all the difficulties in Nicaragua, are attempting to develop the, uh, the socialism in their respective countries. Is it perfect? No. Is it difficult to do? Of course it is. Cuba and Venezuela have deadly sanctions being carried out against them. Of course it's very difficult to develop the economic and social system, but the fact is that these type of systems uh, that we have in uh, Venezuela, uh, Cuba, Nicaragua 
are the type of systems that people in the north, if they knew about it, would like to have. I mean, you, you cannot hide the fact that, you know, uh, you know, Cuba has developed its own uh, vaccines against COVID-19. There's a lot of uh, uh, collaboration between, on the one hand, Cuba and Venezuela and Nicaragua with regards to uh, supplying foods, regard to supplying uh, anti-COVID-19 vaccinations. So uh, I think you're right, despite the, the turmoil that's going on in the world, People have to think seriously about the important role that these countries play. I don't think you could import a Cuban or a Venezuelan or a Chinese model to Canada. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you said, the idea to organize a system that is not based on savage capitalism. And China is such a system. Sure, there's capitalists in China, but they control these uh, capitalists, if they get out of hand, I see many reports that they're tried and sent to jail. So that's really good, isn't it? So th- this, you know, despite everything, this turmoil, we still see those countries in the south, especially such as Venezuela, uh, Cuba, Nicaragua, uh, and other countries, are uh, developing its own system, its own social system, and you know, uh, not as a model, but we have to take that this into account. That another world is possible that is not based on savage capitalism such as in the United States of America. The other part of this uh, that I think can be inspiring in some ways is the fact that we learn from our struggles. You know, Cuba has become in so many ways uh, a vision of inspiration for many countries because despite being so little, despite being right in the belly of the beast you know if you right, were right, right. you know they are they're thriving as a society they have you know their literacy has skyrocketed they have more doctors than other nations can dream exactly. of you know they're very advanced and we're seeing similar movements within Venezuela where people are becoming very uh, how do I say this resilient you know, in the ways yeah. that they address the multiple incursions that they have tried to do to bring down their government. So what I see happening is the U.S. losing whatever slim credibility they had, right, um, because they have a very powerful media that promotes this idea that they're the good guy and everybody else is, you know, they're bringing something um, you know, democracy and peace to the world, where in reality, they're the warmongering. And uh, and we in Latin America have experienced that firsthand. So it's really hard to convince people in Latin America that, but perhaps there are other people outside in other parts of the world who believe their rhetoric. So what I see is not only the U.S. Um, losing that sense of, you know, I see NATO losing is you know, whatever um, notion they had that they were a security force. The world is safe, you know, in the U.S. especially. There's no threat to the U.S. There's nothing threatening the U.S., and yet they're aggressing everywhere. So as we move forward, how do you see um, the the social movements within our countries individually perhaps uh, threatening their, their own ability to... Um, perhaps join with others locally, perhaps even growing in their networks, because this kind of aggression just sends signals to everybody that it's not safe to have one empire, you know, one unipolar world. I'm glad that you mentioned the role of the media, 
I don't know what you think. You're, you know, an expert on, on media, working, you know, to develop in a very consistently over how many, a few decades now, an alternative media. Now, I, I don't know about you. I have never seen a media blitz against another country and against another leader as we're experiencing now against Russia and Putin. It's, it's terrible. It is 24 hours a day. Wall-to-wall coverage. How Russia is bad. I, I, I mentioned. I noticed one thing. At one point, I saw in the byline. I think it was CNN or CBC. In any case, it's just, uh, the same, right? They said that uh, Russia uh, has uh, uh, vowed that they will kill the families of any Ukrainians uh, who fight against Russia. But they don't say where that comes from. They just mention it. They don't even pretend to say that it comes from such and such a source. And, okay, we have to check it out. They just blurt it out. And there are so many examples of it. And, you know, I think it's worthwhile to take one extra second to, for people to, uh, to explain to people. One has to be very careful about media. Because I think Malcolm X once said, and he was right, he said, if you don't watch out, the media will have you hating the people that you should love and loving the those forces that you should hate, such as the, the capitalist system, such as the uh, governments, the United States and Canada. That, this is exactly what is happening now. It is really a, a very important blitzkrieg, and I think it's important that, that we oppose it. And, you know, because what is at stake, you know, we mentioned at the beginning that what, is, what the Secretary uh, Biden's advisor for the Ham- uh, for the Western Hemisphere said that these sanctions against Russia are also meant to uh, weaken Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. It's not a small point. So even though Russia is not capitalist, we know that, the weakening of Russia goes against the striving of the peoples of the world, especially, for example, in Latin America, to further develop their socialist system. Now, within Canada, hopefully, uh, for example, especially I have in mind, the native indigenous nations in Canada that should realize that they cannot be tied to the Canadian state, cannot be tied to the Canadian parliament, that they have to develop their own uh, struggle, revolutionary struggle against the state in alliance with other people in Canada against that colonial state. Now, I I noticed that uh, when the struggle, uh, struggle broke out across Canada against the pipeline just before the pandemic hit, which I believe is March 2020, right? Just mm-hmm. before that, the country was virtually in a standstill. You know, the main slogan at that time, you will recall, was shut Canada down. And it was it was being shut down. The only thing that stopped it from being shut down was the pandemic. So people weren't able to man the uh, the, the blockades and the, uh, the barricades that they set up. So, you know, they, you know, people talk a lot, oh, the native, you know, the demands of the native nations the native people but they don't you know they which they cannot avoid showing that photo of the native people in, in british columbia holding up very proudly their sign reconcile reconciliation is dead we want a revolution it's not a minor point that they're making you know you know th- this is important we have to encourage this we have to f- support this and all that along uh, with the working class with the unions which I think has have to take a, a, a very um, important stand uh, against the Trudeau government 
and against the, politi- uh, the political system and the social system. But, you know, we'll see how this happens. It's very difficult now. Propaganda is, uh, against P- Putin, you know, we know he's capitalist, but behind the scenes or the real nature of the anti-Putin, anti-Russian, hysterical disinformation is also anti-communist because they make sure that people associate Putin with communism and socialism because from Russia. He's in Russia, even though, of course, he is not. So they, they have it both ways. You know, they, they, you know, they know it's not, uh, it's not communist. They know that it's capitalist. But the, the uh, innuendo was always there. We have to oppose that, you know, that Russian domination. You know, they're based on uh, the Soviet Union and, and all that. So it's a very serious situation. And uh, hopefully, you know, the, the outlets such as your, your outlet, which is very important, gets uh, um, more support. Uh, from uh, across the country. So people help people to see through the uh, massive disinformation which is going on now. So people can reach their their own conclusion. Hey, the pandemic shows us something. The capitalist system is not able to take care of the most basic needs of the people, and that is health. You know, Mm -hmm. how many people, you know, died or were or, or pa- passed away or whatever, or forgotten in, in different health institutions across Canada, not to mention uh, the, the very dire straits of the Native and uh, Indigenous peoples in Canada with regards to COVID-19. So now is the time for people to think, well, this system is no good, so we have to look for an alternative. And I, guess I share your, your point of view that we have to see how we can help people to see uh, through what's happening now and uh, develop a further notion that an alternative is necessary, a better world is possible. The other part of uh, this conflict is that it comes at a very opportune time for Biden. You know, uh, Biden has been dragging in the polls. And if anyone had any illusion that he was an alternative to Trump, that illusion had gone and now he gets to be the war president. And now suddenly everybody rallies and they forget that, you know, all the other promises, right? Uh, how do yeah. we, the po- the promise of eradicating poverty or alleviating right, poverty, right. you know, housing, right. education, health. Here in Canada, similar story, right? Uh, only a few weeks ago, the prime minister was dragging in the polls again, right? Because of his stand against, you know, from, People resisting this, uh, this, you know, lockdowns and regulations. You know, we we in British Columbia were promised. Um, you know, this prime minister ran under the banner of, you know, protecting the environment and doing what is, you know, best for indigenous people. And yet, what we're having is indigenous people being aggressed left, right, and center. And yeah. fighting against the pipeline that he promised would not happen, and now is like he funded it and bought it, right? So, um, yeah. all of this by way, conflict. Sylvia, by the way, he he is an NDP, right? <laughs> NDP government. No, no, no. I'm talking about Trudeau. I'm talking about Trudeau. Oh, Trudeau. But Trudeau. also, <laughs> but also, I I mean, we have been let down in so many fronts. But I think at the at the at the national level, the Trudeau government bought a pipeline that he promised would not happen, right? That he ran against. Right. You know, so if we are to uh, see the media, right, the the coverage he gets is amazing. I've never seen such, you know, good PR for a prime minister. If this had been done by Harper, there would have been so many irate, you know, comments. But yet, 
you know, we, we seem to go to sleep when it's someone that we identify as being on our team, if you would. Yes, yes. No, that's very dangerous. That is why, Sylvia, I, th- I think you know, I've mentioned several times on your show, that in my view, the danger is not the open fascists such as Trump or things like that or, you know, the conservative. The danger are these social Democrat-type liberals who lull people to sleep when they're looking for an alternative. That is the danger. Not, not Trump or <laughs> Harper. or It is Trudeau the NDP as well, and, and the Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Party. That is the real danger. They Historically, Sylvia, these forces, social Democrats, they are the ones who facilitate the rise of fascism. This happened uh, before Second World War II, and I see it now, coming up now, that they are actually indirectly facilitating the ascendance of fascism and countries such as Canada and the United States. What happens when we fall asleep is that we lose the ability to see our own power, you know, and when you get a media that for two years has been constantly broadcasting the number of deaths, how many people are dying, how many people are dying, without covering the fact that for the past 30 years we have been under neoliberalism cutting, 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 you know, funding to education, funding to health. We never get to the root cause. We just get to the symptoms and we report and report on the symptoms, but without any real answer as to why this is happening, how did it start it? How is it possible that China with billions of people have dealt with this crisis far better than any other country, you know? How is it possible that Cuba with all their uh, sanctions and blockades has been able to keep most of their population well and you know restore health in in a very rapid amount of time right so those are questions we need to be asking and unless we we ask those difficult questions where is the root you know what's the root of this how do we change this we will be continuously being distracted right with one war here and demonizing one people over another you know we we all cry over Ukraine, which I think is right. I mean, no, you know, no blood should be shed. I mean, that's not right. right. Those of us who have experienced war don't condone war of any kind. I don't yes. condone bombing of Ukraine, and I don't condone bombing of Yemen. You know, I don't. I right. think that people should realize that workers all over the world, you know, are aggressed by one evil, and that is th- this capitalism that is rampant, that is con- constantly um, exploiting yes. and plundering not just our soils, our lands, but also our life. My hope is that out of this will come a renewed uh, commitment to resist the capitalist violence in whatever form it comes, you know, and that we will find new alliances and, and learn to see each other, you know, not through labels, you know, of liberal or non-liberal, whatever, but just to see, right, that the struggle really is for life, you know, to create life for future generations and for ourselves. Yes, I I fully agree with your optimism, and I will add that when this comes true, that people move to have a a, a critical attitude towards the system and look to alternative, people will be very much indebted to the work that you do and other alternative media does in Canada. CBC is just the satellite of U.S. imperialism. Everything they say and do, the body language, the words that they use, the clips that they show, 
CBC is just like the fifth column of the U.S. corporate media in Canada. It's disgusting to see them at work. It's very good to see you guys at work doing the uh, excellent work that you and other similar outlets do uh, in Canada. Thank you so much for being with us. For people who want to access your work, how can they reach you? My, my website is very simple. It's www.arnoldaugust.com. A-R-N-O-L-D-A-U-G-U-S-T.com. Thank you again for being with us, Arnold. Take care. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an independently produced syndicated radio program made available for free to campus and community radios and also to the world at latinwavesmedia.com. Please visit the website to hear previous shows, hear about upcoming events, and consider becoming a member for as little as $1 per month.